You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Good morning, good morning. Good to see everybody here. We have some missionaries among us this morning. Actually, everybody in here should be one. Um, I was thinking about how we started the church uh, 13 plus years ago. We, um, I gave up my salary at a church here. I've been preaching 14 years. And I didn't know exactly how we'd make it, but I do know that every time we've needed to make it, the message the Lord would give us was about generosity, how we handled our resource, our finances, how consistent we were. And so Donna and I, to prove the Lord, on more than one occasion would, would give to missions or something like that when it looked like we couldn't really afford to do it. But we were committed to discovering if God really would look after us and if, um, please hear this, if he was worthy of me giving my life to him, in other words, did he keep his word? Was he everything we heard he was? And we've proven over the years that he certainly is. He's more than enough. So one of the things we did was we would support missions. And we don't talk, we hardly even talk about it at all, I'm ashamed to say. But the truth is we support um, Jim Hill and his heart missions to Argentina, China. Um, we support Cameron and Susie Urahi, their ministry to one of the fastest-growing Christian segments of the world, which is in Iran. We support Latin Impact Ministries, which means we support um, six full-time Cuban missionaries. And um, we support Scott Volks, Together for Israel. We have Nelson Carino here and his wife Rachel this morning, who's in Mexico. And um, then we have Ashley Pell, who's also here this morning. She's in the Philippines. And we support a local ministry here to underprivileged kids, an orphanage in Africa. And we try to keep Leonard Jones alive. (laughs) Any of you that know Leonard, know. (laughs) That is not an easy task. (laughs) So... um, we built into the life of the church to give a minimum of 10% of everything away to something other than that would support us. Now, I can remember back in the old cornerstone days, not many people here remember the old cornerstone days. I do see about five or six old regulars who withstood the test of time. <laughs> um, when I would write my tithe check, I wouldn't give it to the church because it would just be like giving it back to myself. Do you follow that? That was how broke we were. And I thought, no, I have to give it away because it's giving it away that makes the difference. You really don't have anything you don't give away. A lot of people don't have much faith because they don't give their faith away. Come on, somebody get really happy. I'm helping you, just a little bit painful. But anyway, that's what we elected to do. And so I think last year, I think we gave between thirty dollars and $40,000 to missions. And um, it's just part, yeah, well, you did it. Yeah, it's part of our DNA. And the Lord has met us through some pretty, pretty serious times. And we don't talk a lot about money. Maybe we should, but um, anyway, God loves a cheerful giver, and we're so glad we can actually do some good away from ourselves somewhere else in the world. So um, 
I want to introduce Nelson to you, his wife, Rachel. I don't know if they're both coming up at the same time, or you certainly can. Yeah, come on up. They're newlyweds, so be good to them. Um, he'll tell you about what he does, but I'll tell you a little bit about. Um, he's got a surf outreach to local beach kids and narco-troubled kids on the west coast of Mexico. Is that Mazatlan? Mazatlan, Mexico. Mazatlan. It is Mazatlan, Mexico. Just, just wanted to be sure they knew where they came from. Anyway, he teaches in a school of worship. He's part of YWAM Media, and um, I'll let him tell you what he does. But these are some great folks. I just want to start saying thank you, church. Thank you, Pastor Robin, for all the love and all the support. We're just going to share a little bit of what God is doing in Mazatlan, Mexico, and what he's doing through our family. So, so this is us, Los Carreño, Rachel Duff, and Nelson Carreño. Rachel, where are you from? I'm from New Zealand. And Nelson, I'm from Colombia, South America. <laughs> so, this is the place where we are part. We are part of the Y1 Mazatlan base that is located in the North Pacific West part of of Mexico. So if you see in the top, that's the base where we train and equip more like that 360 young people that go to the place to fall in love with the Lord and want to do missions over the world. Like if you see, this is the place the way we gather, we do worship. We have a lot of baptisms every time that happen and we have local ministers. So our heart is to inspire and, to, uh, and inspire and activate and make young people fall in love with Jesus. So, yes. So, yeah, we're a part of YWAM, which I actually didn't know New Zealand was a huge, like, had many bases. You guys may have heard of it, but it's pretty much a youth with a mission. So it's um, geared towards bringing youth into, into mission. And, yeah, like Pastor Robin said, we're all missionaries. It doesn't matter where you are. So how can you take your place in God's great commission? Um, so we have things called discipleship training schools, which is like the primary school. And then you can also do secondary schools. And there's so many, um, around the world, we provide like school of worship, art school, uh, a Bible school, multiple biblical, biblical schools. So, and there's so many more, um, a frontiers mission school. So that's just the skeleton of what the base does as well. Um, so we want to. Rachel, what is Medical Brigade? <laughs> um, so we want to talk a little bit about like our ministries that we serve specifically in. Um, so I serve in our medical team on base. I'm a physical therapist by trade. Uh, and yeah, we run medical brigades. At the moment, we run them quarterly since COVID. And so uh, they've mainly been local medical brigades. So we go into the Colonia, which are like the... If you've ever been to Mazatlan, it's very touristy. You've got the big front strip of all the parties, everything like that. As soon as you step away from that, you've, you've got people living in cardboard boxes pretty much. So you've got the extremes. So we uh, go into those colonia uh, where we have relationships in them already. Often we'll have Bible studies running as well. Uh, but we want to serve them in a practical way also. So we go in there with our medical team, often with local medical providers as well, uh, and set up a medical brigade. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll run like a sort of like a little clinic. There'll be multiple doctors, dentists is huge. Kids just eat sugar like there's no tomorrow. Um, and we often are in schools or um, feeding centres. This one was literally out in the middle of nowhere, which we'll talk about that community as well in a moment uh, that we serve in. Um, but, yeah, this is sort of one area that we, that we do serve in. The next is I'm a part of the ship's ministry or ship's department. So we've got a team. So our medical team is, is a part of the ship's department also. Um, and it also covers Homes of Hope, which we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, but this is our boat, the Amazing Grace. Uh, so she's a big metal boat built almost a hundred years ago. She's a, she's very old. Um, so a lot of maintenance. We literally are learning how to, I was stuck in the bilge for two months just trying to de-rust the hull, like that sort of thing. Um, so I'm learning a lot about how to maintain a boat. It's very fun. Um, last, 
so we've been working for six years. Uh, she was fully stripped back and working towards deploying her. And we're a final inspection away from that. So we literally can, we're hoping that and praying that this will happen early next year. And then we can go. She's physically ready. Um, there's been some holdups on her paperwork. But we, yeah, so as soon as we get that, we, we are ready. So we've been doing recently sea uh, trials testing the engines, things like that. And then last week, we I got Nelson to come along as well, um, but we managed to take her out overnight. So we slept on her, sort of saw how she could do uh, with 20 people on board, how the showers worked, how the kitchen worked with 20 people, that type of thing. So Rachel, what is the reason of the boat? What is the purpose? <laughs> I'm getting there, I'm getting there. So the main crux is that even with the medical brigades, with the boat, like... That's just the physical. We really want to be able to use these things to create relationships and communities to give them the gospel. I mean, that's why we do what we do, hey? So uh, with the medical boat, we want to first take it out to the Sea of Cortez. So if you think of the Baja Peninsula coming down, that sea in there is the Sea of Cortez. And there's heaps of small little fishing villages and things like that. So we want to go to those places, anchor, and just be able to serve practically. But again, make the relationships so that we can bring the gospel. We want to partner with OMT, which is Oral Mother Tongue Bible Translations, um, who again want to go into these places and deliver, get to know, make relationships so that we can de- deliver our oral Bible translations. Um, this is all part of like a three-tiered um, ships ministry. So we've got the, we want to continue the local brigades, which we've already set the dates for next year. When the ship's ready, we want to do the ship brigades, which is focused on uh, engaging the isolated and unreached people groups with medical care to allow us to bring the gospel. And the third and newer part is actually the inland. So we've been scouting some inland locations with the same idea. We want to go to the, the indigenous, the um, isolated places in Mexico um, so that the, the medical is the just a step in the door so that we can... Yeah, just get to know them, but also bring them life, <laughs> true life. Um, and we also have a little sailboat, which we acquired like two years ago. So we're also learning how to sail. Yeah. So we also in Y1 Mazatlan, we have this ministry called Homes of Hope. So there is a lot of people that is dismissed or like moved because the violence, this place, because the violence of the narco traffic in Mexico. A lot of these people doesn't have like a home or a place. So what we do, or Homes of Hope, we do is like they build like a house like this in three days. So it's incredible to see a lot of families receiving a place that they can call home. So that's one of the things that we do. Next one. So remnant. We have a sword ministry in Mazatlan. We, every Saturday, we have a band full of surfboards, one band full of the kids, because we live in a, in a place that where it's called, um, El Cerro del Ocho. El Cerro del Ocho is the place that if you are in Mazatlan, if you want drugs, you go there. So there are a lot of kids working and doing all these things. So we take all the stay, all the, all these kids, full, full the band with the kids and we go to a beach and we train them how to surf. We keep them, equip them how to like know God. We disciple them and we do like a kind of little Sunday church in the beach. So it's incredible. So this is, we have like 10 kids that as I say, they're influenced by the narco traffic. They more, a lot of them doesn't have dad or mom, but we give them a safe environment, a safe place that they can meet Jesus. And also we can have a sense of family that who we are. So some, like I love them that my kids, so I always call them my kids. Let's go, let's go surfing. They're better than me right now. So that's pretty awesome. So that's what we do. This is the place called Playa Bonito. We go every Saturday, we serve, we have like personal time, disciple time, and they love to go surfing. And these kids here, plus a few more, are like the kids that we've really got close to from one of the saddles. And we have them over for dinner, and we've actually found that we've been doing it for three years, and I think this year has been our first year where they're actually like talking to us, asking us questions about like, God and like the spiritual realm because you got to remember a lot of these areas are very heavily spiritually heavily influenced there's there's shaman around there's actually witches around you know things like that so they're very influenced by that culture so it's actually speaking into that as well and giving life because they can get scared sometimes by that that realm and so it's actually really cool to show them truth as well yeah we use surf as a tool to discipleship so marketing and monetization 
Nelson, I am a filmmaker that God used me to train and equip young people and leaders and missionaries in Mexico to use their gift and to show what God is doing in different places, what God is doing in Mazatlan and what God is doing in, in the in the missions. Um, the other thing that I do, I'm part of the mobilization teams, is what we do is we go where the youth is. We go to coffee shops. We go to the universities. We go where they play soccer. And we hang out with them. And we share how Jesus is. Like, if I'm in love with Jesus, I'm going to share who Jesus is. And they will love with Jesus. So that's what we are doing with mobilization. We're going to different universities in Mexico. We're going to different places in the States, in Europe, to share how God has changed us and how they can be part of the Great Commission. So one of the cool stories, we went to Perla like a month ago, a university that is not allowed to talk about any religion. We went to a yoga class because they invite a creative speaker, Nelson Carreño for Colombia. So we went to this um, yoga class and... Uh, there was like the yoga leader, like, what are you going to teach? And I was like, we're going to teach about creativity, but also we're going to worship and pray, pray, uh, read the Bible. And she was like, okay, it's kind of weird. So like 10 students show up. We, God was just pray, worship, and read the Bible. I didn't share anything. We just start praying and worshiping. There were like three friends of worshiping and the Holy Spirit started moving over the place. The people, the kids were feeling God's presence. And after an hour, the lady that was in charge of the yoga place, she was crying. And she said, guys, I don't know what you guys have, but you are a charcoal of love. And you know, this place is going to be open for you to all, to pray for the students in this university. Can you imagine? Like God is just moving in crazy ways, opening different doors. To, when do you never expect? You just have to be willing to go. Um... And this is a video that everywhere we go, we, we show to inspire uh, young people to the missions. What does it mean to be alive, living out our best self? We get lost so easily, going from one thing to the next, and before we even realize it, life lives us. Have you ever asked yourself, there has to be more than this? We're all part of a much larger story, from Genesis to Revelation. God has been working out his eternal purposes, bringing generations from death to life because of the finished work of Jesus. You are now invited to participate using the unique gifts and talents God has given you. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Jesus gave us this command 2,000 years ago, but today half the world's population still hasn't heard. When you receive really good news, you can't help but share. We're meant to live in the overflow of knowing Creator God intimately and testifying who He is to the ends of the earth. From the beginning, God's mission was to use people to reach people, and we're seeing a generation in dire need of the truth, which begs the question, if you don't go, who will? So that's the question. If you don't go, who will go? So we are the, the Carreño's family. We're in love with Jesus and with God. And thanks so much for all your support during this time. Because because of you, that's the reason we are able to live and to do everything that God is doing in Mazatlan. Um, yeah, I just want to say a huge thank you. Yeah, like Nelson said, we literally we feel like literally cannot be there um, without support from back home. Uh, so we want to say a huge thank you. Uh, and if you guys do want to get involved in any way, like just let us know, um, either on a personal level praying for us and things we've got some some stuff yeah. that you can have uh and also like we we need people to come help us as well like next year we from the ship's team we we need medical maritime everything but just general volunteers like we need to be going to these places and creating teams so also let us know about that if you're a filmmaker, if you're a surfer, if you want to build a house, or if you want to just partner and just come to Mazatlan, you guys are so welcome. So here we have like a flyer that explains a little bit of what we do. And if you want to have it in our in your fridge, you're welcome. So <laughs> we love you guys. Thank you. Awesome. Beautiful. So what I just heard was mission trips in the future. There's houses to build, people to love, and surfboards to ride. Uh, so if you feel called to surf ministry, let's go do that. Um, hey, uh, also we have Ashley Pell here this morning who, uh, yeah, give her a hand really quick. Um, 
We had the privilege of having just lunch with her and a few of the uh, team here and was just so impressed and just gripped by her heart for the Philippines, what they're doing. And I'm just so excited that both of you guys could be here on the same day uh, just so the church could really get a grid for what we're giving to each month and supporting. So we're going to show a quick video and she's going to come and share just for a few minutes. My name is Ashley Powell and I have been serving in the Philippines for 14 years along with David and Christine Mayam, and we are Northgate Ministries. God is writing his story, weaving our lives together into a beautiful portrait of his goodness. We sense his presence in every step that we've taken this year, even through the real struggles, as we recognize that it is his vision that we are walking out. This year we experienced growth and fruitfulness, hardship and loss, maturity and wisdom. We felt the strength of deep relationships in the body of Christ and the growth that comes through walking through hardship together. Our church network grew to 22 churches and we gathered, prayed and worshiped together on many occasions, large and small, and experienced the Lord. Our leadership school is nine years old and together we are asking the hard questions and growing in the Lord in a way that translates to ministry that changes lives. In our girls' home, we have 12 girls and a little bundle of joy, and we're on a journey of healing and growth with each of them. They are hungry for the Lord, and we are watching the love of God transform them. Our girls are shining their light to the kids in our neighborhood, and the little ones are experiencing Jesus. Many of you witnessed the miraculous construction of our girls' home and ministry center straight through the pandemic. The home has changed our lives and the life of every girl in the home dramatically increasing our capacity to do ministry. In 2024, we will embark on a new building project eight hours away from our girls' home to build a leadership school and ministry center that is central to our pastors and churches. After nine years of holding class in a borrowed room, we are looking forward with great anticipation to having a building for our school. If you want to help us build the school or support Support our girls monthly, please come and see us today. Together with all of you who have partnered with us, God is writing his story in us and through us and changing people's lives forever. The most amazing things about being in the family of God is that God is the author of all of this. Um, I am so encouraged uh, this morning to hear about what God is doing through our friends in Mexico. And I'm so encouraged to be with each one of you because I know that God is working in your lives. He's working in us and he's working through us all, all as one family. And the other thing that is so incredible about being part of God's family and with him being the author of all of this is that he sees the big picture and he's able to turn really difficult things into beautiful things. And uh, I, I know that um, as a missionary, I love to come home and tell you all the incredible stories about what God is doing, like some of the things we've just been hearing. Um, and good things have happened this year, uh, as you saw in that video. To be honest, it's also been a really hard year. Uh, we've had, we, we, we launched into January with enthusiasm and dodged some curveballs that were like not what we were expecting. And, um, we have 12 beautiful girls that are part of our home and we are doing life with them. I live with them. David and Christine live with them. We have staff. We're a big family. We're walking through the hard things, uh, together. Some of them have come from really traumatic backgrounds. Some of them have just come from really remote places and need to come to the city to study. So they need to live in a safe place. Um, and this January, um, we had, we walked through something very difficult with one of our girls. We almost lost her. She got involved in an, on, um, a cyber crime turned real life crime, something that we exist to prevent happening. Our home is for at-risk girls. It kind of, it felt like we got, we got robbed. Um, we got her back. Amen. She's with us. And, uh, she's been walking through this road of, uh, of healing and recovery. And, um, part of that story is that a new baby was added to our family and every life is a gift. 
um, and we celebrate the life of that child. And through that whole experience, you know, how did the girls handle that? How was, how was, how did it affect us all? Um, God used it in so many ways. Uh, first, the girls understood why we have the rules we have. <laughs> they believe us. And, but also, they experienced something through that. One of them shared with me in tears that in all of her life experiences in the church, when, when people go through hard things, um, they had been pushed out and told, go fix your life. And when, when you figure it out, come back. And she said in tears, it doesn't work like that. We need Jesus to help us get through these things. And she said, for the, this is the first time I experienced grace, um, in the church. Uh, as as she secondhand experienced us bringing this young woman back into our home and helping her walk through the process of restoration, God walks with us through the difficult things, and He's writing something. He's doing something that we can't that we can't uh, necessarily see at the beginning. But one of the most beautiful things that we've walked through this year is that, how the Lord has used that, redeemed that situation, redeemed this young woman, and helped us all experience God's grace. We know God loves us when we're good, but he always loves us. And walking through that experience changes us. It goes deep into our, into us. Um, so we have a, a church, a church network. We have 22 churches. It's crazy. Uh, this little thing is growing. Um, we have a school, a leadership school that all of our pastors are a part of, but not all of our students are part of our network. We reach out to, um, pastors of all different, uh, different church groups. We have nine different church groups in our school and our leadership school is eight hours away from our girls' home. It is out where, near where all the villages, unreached people, it's out where they are. So we make that trek so they don't, because they can't. Um, and, uh, it has, it has been a year of growth with all of us. God has built this community, this group of pastors where we're all, we're just there, uh, learning, growing together. God is helping us. And, um, I'm, I so appreciate the humility of every pastor in that group. Um, as they are willing to admit that may, they may have been in ministry 30 years, but they need, they need, uh, to learn. We all need to learn and we're learning together. Um, uh, one of the, uh, one of the pastors even said, I was trying to get them excited about graduation. And, uh, and then one of the pastors <laughs> raised his hand. I said, do you have any questions? And he was the only question. And his only question was, can we still come to class after we graduate? <laughs> Yes. The answer is yes. We're growing together. We're a family. We're not leaving each other. Many of these pastors are out in villages and rural places, places where that they spend a lot of their time isolated. Um, and so we are a community for them. Um, there's a lot of cults and fringe things that go on in places that are very isolated. And that's the reason why we are doing this. Um, and we have seen so much fruit from it. So on our horizon, you saw in the video, please uh, pray with us is uh, a facility for this school. So we've been going nine years, but we don't have a building. We saw God do a crazy miracle a few years ago, building the building that we have. And all we can do is look forward with faith at what God is going to do again. So we thank, I thank you all for being a part of that. Um, and we also went through a very difficult uh, experience. It was actually just, um, it was actually just one month ago, um, I was already here in the States when one of our um, pastor's wives was hit by a bus. Um, and she, she went to heaven that day. Um, she left her husband and five children um, behind. And we're a little community and we're very tight-knit. And this was, a, this was very difficult. One of, one of many very difficult things that we've walked through this year. Um, uh, and... I, I, to be honest, I, I'm really looking forward to getting back and being able to be with our, our community again. Um, uh, she was close with everyone. Um, she was spent months um, going through some medical treatment, living in our girls' home, so she was like another mom to our girls. 
And so this was another thing that we had to walk through, um, walk through holding on to the promise of the Lord. But what we know is that God is the one who is writing this story. And we get to hold on, on to him. The promise that he gives us um, is not just that he's faithful. Sometimes I was impressed by this during worship. Um, sometimes we never doubt the faithfulness of God or the promises of God. But what we can question is his nearness. Like he feels far away sometimes. And uh, this is a verse that we've been in a lot this year. And I, I just want to share this as I close, uh, as I close this morning, um, that sometimes we can doubt God's God's nearness, but his love is near. Nothing that we walk through will ever separate us from the love of God. He's with us. And I know that you all maybe have had years you didn't expect. Um, And maybe this coming year is full of hope and expectation, and it's going to be a year that you won't expect. But this is a promise that we hold on to. God is near. He's not far away. He's with us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even worries about tomorrow. Not the power of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Christ Jesus, he's walking with us. He is near. He is near. Thank you all for your prayers. Thank you for your support. Please keep praying for us. Pray for our girls. Pray for our pastors. Pray for us as we go on this crazy journey of breaking ground on another building uh, this year. Um, the, the land was miraculously acquired. Um, it is in the middle of everything. Land we could never afford. Land other people were willing to pay 200000 cash in the Philippines for. And they sold it to us for 40000 The papers are going to be signed next week. We have the land. So please uh, pray for us as we go on to this uh, next journey this year. And as we go forward, I encourage myself and all of us to always hold on to this, that God is near. His love is with us. He's on this journey with us. Amen. Awesome. Hey, one more time, give both these guys just a, a hand. And um, I think uh, we're just going to take five minutes here and we're going to do a little call to action and just some dreaming as a church. I'm so grateful that we have global missions. But how many of you guys know that the mission isn't confined to a distant land? We're on mission all the time. The location might change, but it's the same mission. Um, and one thing that I heard echoed in both of their um, stories about what they're doing is the mission isn't just event-based. It's just not a bait-and-switch uh, to make a convert. How many of you guys know that the Bible says go and make disciples, not converts? Uh, that's a different thing. It's a long play. It's not the short-term instant gratification to build a quick ministry. But what I heard was the constant theme in both their ministries is that we're doing life with people and we're bringing the kingdom into the everyday rhythms of people's world. That is the mission that we're on. Amen. Um, now, here's what I want to challenge us as a church. Um, and first, just to celebrate, I love that we get to give um, to, to global missions. And we're so thankful for you guys to be on the front line, to do what you do. Um, I, I, I've n- never been, uh, I'm a missionary to Charlotte, uh, but I've never been a missionary to Mexico or the Philippines. Um, but I've traveled enough to know that, A, you have to be called to that. Um, and so I'm so grateful God anoints and, and puts grace on your life to do that. But I also know it's a 
very tough climate. It's an isolated thing. It can be a lonely thing. It can, uh, in the midst of all the beauty that comes with it, um, I know that you guys persevere and have to be very resilient to do what you do. And we're just so grateful uh, that you do it. And we're so grateful that you're good soil for us to sow into um, as a church. Um, so thank you again. Um, now, that being said, um, when we think about missions, it's not just that we get to write a check or give dollars uh, to some distant land or some ministry, and we're going to do that for these guys this morning um, at the end, but we're also on mission in our city. Okay, um, Everyone in this room is called to the same mission that these guys are. All of us have the same commission of Jesus, uh, which on the basic level is to bring the gospel to those who need it. And sometimes bringing the gospel doesn't mean that we have a microphone and a platform. Sometimes bringing the gospels means that we have a heart that's beating, that has empathy for someone else's heart that's beating, that we meet people where they are, that we get in their story. We don't just try to get them in ours. Um, but it really is about going into spaces that might challenge us, that might not be the most comfortable for us, um, but that's the place where the kingdom shows up in everyday life. Um, can I tell you this? One of the challenges with being on mission is familiarity. And so when you live in a place or when it's your city, sometimes we can go dormant or disengage that missional mindset because it's just Charlotte. It's what we know. It's how we drive. It's hard to be on mission with people in Charlotte traffic too, by the way, just to say. They don't deserve Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. They deserve Jesus. They need Jesus too. Um, but it's easy to disengage because of familiarity. And so sometimes we uh, romanticize missions as just this going. But every day that we go, we should be going with that same mindset. That there is someone in our path every single day that needs Jesus to be modeled for them. Yeah. Amen. Um, we talked about this last week. And if you didn't get a note card when you came in, uh, so grateful for our ushers and greeters who passed those out. If you didn't get one of those, raise your hand really quick so we can get one to you. Uh, we got one over here, uh, a few over there. Does anyone have note cards? Raise your hand real high for a moment so they can get you. Give it up for Dave Mackey, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so here's what I want us to do this morning because here's what's true, and I'm sure Nelson and Rachel and Ashley could all um, bear witness, but one of the challenges when we see need, when we see the gap, when we see something broken, um, is oftentimes we reduce um, our capacity in our own mind. And so what happens is sometimes we don't even step out to go for it. We just pray about it, but never really stand in the gap because we just don't think that we're enough. We don't think we have enough. We don't have resources. I love, Ashley just shared, they're building buildings. Uh, The reality is that vision came before the resources did. Um, And so I want us to just maybe cast some vision and dream into the space of what it looks like to be on mission in Charlotte this morning. And I don't want it to be abstract. I want it to hit uh, the very heartbeat of the people in this room. I shared out of the Gospels last week how Jesus, um, who obviously was on a mission, there's no greater mission trip than the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And right there shows you the rhythm of God to come and just be with people, to do everyday life, to conceal His glory in someone else's story. Is uh, That rhyme, that's a wrap. Sorry, ADD catches those moments. Um, But he comes and he just reveals his glory in that rhythm, unfolds himself to people at a dinner table. Um, And so we have to think about missions in that context. But what happens in the Gospels is Jesus um, is gaining momentum. The thousands are following. And he finds this moment where thousands have followed him to kind of hear about the gospel and hear the kingdom unpacked. And his ministry is kind of blowing up. And all of a sudden the people realize it's getting late, everyone's getting hungry, the disciples are smart enough to know this might be a problem, Um, and so they go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, look, it's getting late, let's send these people away, because where we are is remote, there's not enough here, is basically what they're saying. And so they need to go somewhere where they can get the help they need, because they might start fighting, and that's going to be a YouTube video, and it's going to reflect your ministry, gee, we can't have that, it's bad PR. And so they're concerned And they bring their concern to Jesus, and here's what concern does. Concern is aware of the problem, but concern wants to send it away. But here's what Jesus did. Jesus had compassion on the multitude. And here's what compassion does. Compassion says, here's what we're going to do. They take ownership of the thing that is in need. 
Um, the disciples' dilemma was this. They had the right what? They could see the mission. They could see the challenge. But they didn't really know how. And it's so often in that how that we disengage from the mission because we just don't know how to even start. We don't know where to start. And Jesus asked them and said, well, what, what do you have? A uh, couple lit, a couple loaves, a couple fish. And Jesus, we know the story, has him pass it out. He blesses it, gives thanks. It multiplies. Everyone is fed, and they take the baskets back up, and there was some left over. So there's no chance in our story, in our city. There's no pocket that we should ever come and not have audacious enough faith to own before the Lord, regardless of how much we have in our basket. Because here's the thing. What you have... And our, your mind might not be enough. You might look, and maybe your thing this morning is, man, I want to feed every hungry mouth in our city uh, to the point there's no hunger left. I love that. But you might be thinking, I don't have enough resources, I don't have enough money, and I don't have enough hot dogs to make that dream come to pass. But here's what you do have that we often forget when it comes to owning things that are broken. Even if you only have two fish, you still have a Jesus. And you think the disciples would have known this by now in this story. He's the guy who turns water into wine at the wedding. He's the guy who walks on water. Like they've seen enough that you would think, okay, Jesus, people are getting hungry. You should just kind of, you needed to kind of go in your Jesus mode and do your thing and help us out here. But no, they just want the problem to go away. There is no pocket of our city, of our day-to-day, of our everyday that is without Jesus in the mix because he's with us. Amen. So what does it look like for us as a church to really dream? I, I, I love thinking of it this way. Um, you ever do hypotheticals and you say, hey, if money wasn't an issue, what would you buy? What would you do? If you could do anything you wanted, resources weren't an issue. Let's think of it this way in terms of missions. If resources weren't an issue, what would we own in our city? What would we own in our schools? What would we own in our doctor's office? What would we own in our relationships, in our family life? What would we own that we see doesn't quite model the kingdom of heaven and heaven needs to be brought? What would it look like for us to own those spaces? A couple examples. One is it might be as simple as, hey, I want to feed the hungry. Maybe for you it's more unique. Maybe you want to own, I love your story about uh, just creative filmmaking and sharing the gospel and letting that be a bridge Um, for the kingdom to be displayed. Maybe for you it's more unique. Maybe you see a gap in our culture, in our day-to-day that needs Jesus. Here's what I want to encourage you to do uh, this morning. Take out your note card really quick. What I want us to do, I hope you had a pen too, if you didn't um, steal your neighbor's pen. They have to forgive you. It's Christian. Okay. Here's what I want us to do is just prayerfully... I want you to write down one thing. It could be a sentence. could be one word. But keep it simple. I want you to write down one thing that you see in our day-to-day, in our region, that you have a heart to own. Now, when I say that, don't fast forward to, oh, I just can't right now. Life's too busy. That's, that's not what we're doing this morning. If resources, time, everything wasn't an issue, what would you want to see change in our everyday, in our city? And here's one great way you know what makes your heart beat. You guys know love has a pulse. That's the beauty of the incarnation and the season that we're in as we celebrate the fact that love took on a pulse, that the divine became human. And the Bible says he just dwelt among us. I love the fact that Jesus just pulled up a chair to our existence just to do life with us. Because love really does have a pulse. What's the thing? That if you could look out and say, hey, I want to fix this, that just makes your heart beat. Because I do think that's the Lord. And you might not know how, but don't let that disengage you from what? And as you write that, we're going to take those up in just a moment. We're going to keep these. We're going to pray over these this morning as a church. We're going to pray over our missionaries and send them out. We're also going to give you the chance just to give to them and so into them financially. We do that as a church, but I know every bit goes a long way in their context. But we also want to keep these cards as we start to dream about the church over the next few years and really see what God's put in our heart in this room 
so that we have testimonies. I don't want these just to be note cards that we pray about. I want, to, I want these to be testimonies in the next year, six months, two years. I want to see these things turned into testimonies where we get to celebrate what we dreamed with the Father about. Amen. Uh, if you're done, we're going to start collecting these. If you're still writing, feel free to put it in the basket after. Um, we're going to have a couple guys with baskets. Dave Mackey, ladies and gentlemen, on a mission. Said a couple guys. Oh, yeah, here we go. And here's what we're believing. This is just a prophetic uh, picture this morning. But as we take these up, we're just believing God that there's enough and that there's more than enough. When they took the baskets up, it wasn't just a miracle that supplied the need. It was more than enough for the need. And so put those in there. And if I could, just Nelson, Ashley, could you guys come on back up, Rachel? We just want to pray over you guys as a church. Hey, just by show of hands, how many of you guys would love to go on a Philippines or Mexico trip? Let's see. Let's see. They're watching. Yeah, one more time so she can hold you accountable. Just out of curiosity, while we're still waiting on this logistical uh, thing we're navigating, how many guys surf? Does anyone know how to surf? Whoa, right there. Couple getting called out. All right. I want to say this to you. This probably is not the last time you're going to see these. Um, I really want us to do something creative with these so that we can pray into these things for. just the season ahead as the church. These might appear in the lobby or somewhere else that you're going to see in the future. So don't think these will be forgotten in a basket somewhere in the storage room. All right. Good deals at all? Still ready? I love this because it puts all the pressure on the last couple people. That's what family does. All right. If you've still got one, we can um, grab that after service. We'll leave a basket up here. So, Could you guys bring those baskets up? Would you mind? And here's what I want us to do as well. Um, this is for whosoever just feels led. I want us to just come. Could you guys actually come down here? I would love for the church just to lay hands on you guys. Okay. I'm going to jump down this thing. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Um, for anyone who feels led that wants to come and just lay hands on these guys as we pray, we're going to do two things. We're going to pray over our mission um, globally, which is these guys on the front line that we get to sow into. And at the same time, we're going to pray for our local missions, which is the heartbeat that's sitting in this room. And we're just going to trust that God uh, is going to be enough, bring enough. He's going to give us the resources um, regardless of what things look like. And so, Father, we just, we're so grateful, God, for your son, your daughters, who were in the midst of every day. God, those who are giving themselves daily when no one's looking and when everyone's looking. Those who may sometimes not feel seen, those who are navigating a reality in a different country where there definitely isn't enough. God, we're so grateful that you raised up people who know that you are, that everything in you is a supply greater than what they'll ever need. And so, Father, we just bless them 
And we pray for your strength, your grace, your goodness. God, your mercy. We pray for your provision. God, we just speak even just supernatural provision over them, whether it's for buildings, whether it's for resources, whether it's for people. God, when they build houses, I pray that the multitudes would come. God, that communities would see the love of Jesus with every nail that is driven. And God, I pray that it wouldn't just be events, but I know the heart of these two is to bring the gospel in every single space. God, give them new creative ways to do that. Grace their words, God. God, I just pray for even favor in their cities. God, even with local governments, with people, with the culture, God, I just pray for favor that would be open doors for the gospel. And God, I pray in both those spaces, God, that as you... Um, just give them that grace, Father, that people would come to know who they are, not just some Jesus for some day, but they would know who they are as the sons and daughters of God, that they would know a Father that loves them the way that you do. And God, we pray even over these baskets this morning, God, the heartbeat that's in this room, God, that in every single chair here, there's a pulse and there's a rhythm that echoes the heart of heaven. And God, I pray um, over our city, over our region, over our schools, over our homes, our families, every familiar space, every part of our every day. God, I pray that you would just awaken and stir a new conviction and passion to be on mission. To see the gospel come in spaces that are so familiar that it might even be awkward, but could change everything. God, we believe that you are the God who can change the very fabric of culture in our nation, in our region, in our city, in our homes. God, may we never get so comfortable with the way things are that we stop believing you're the God who multiplies what's in the basket. And God, I pray this morning over any mind, any heart that would just say, man, I don't feel like I'm enough. I don't have enough. God, may we be reminded that part of our equation is always Jesus. Part of our equation is always supernatural, that you always partner with people to do things that they simply cannot do without you. And so, God, we bless every space that's written on these cards. Let your grace be on them. And, God, don't just put the what in our hearts, but give us the how in the days to come, in the season to come. Teach us how, God. Give give us just... Just heavenly strategy. And last, God, just by faith, whether it's Mexico, whether it's Philippines, or whether it's Charlotte, North Carolina, we believe the kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven, in the places we inhabit, in every single space. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Hey, give these guys a hand one more time. Um, Here's what we're also going to do as we dismiss. We'll have some prayer teams up here. If you need prayer, come grab it. Um, But we do want to give you the chance to give to these guys. Um, So I think what we're going to do, Donna, correct me if I'm wrong, if you're in here. Um, But you can go QCC giving, uh, same way you would do an offering, but under the fun tab, select uh, missions. Is that correct, Chris? Um, if you're old school, want to write a check, make it out to QCC and just write its four missions. And there's a bucket back there, some of the places that you normally would give. I encourage you to give to them because um, I know that every dollar goes a long way. Um, so thank you for giving and bless you guys. Take them out to lunch, buy them a cheeseburger, an American cheeseburger. I don't know. I just got to go. All right. Bless you guys. Bye. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.